Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I am doing well, um, but we're here to talk about you today. So how are you doing, Julie? Uh, well, I've had a really tough uh, few weeks, Lisa, and I don't want to bury the lead. So I think I'll just get out of the way and say it. Um, two weeks ago, tomorrow, and tomorrow is Monday, I tore my ACL not running. And it's really hard for me to even say it out loud because I'm still trying to come to terms with it. But I was in my basement. I was spotting Ella on a back handspring. This injury has nothing to do with Ella, but I feel like I need to provide context. It was all about me. I was positioned in a little bit of a squat just to support my back. And I just put my arm out to spot her. I've, I've done it many times. It wasn't a big deal, but some, for some reason I sort of leaned to the left a little bit. My right leg was planted. My feet were angled appropriately for a squat, but for some reason, my foot while it was planted, just kind of got, I don't, I don't know how to explain it stuck. And I felt my knee pop. It was the most minor innocuous movement. I wasn't running. I wasn't straining myself in the least bit. Ella hadn't even started. And I immediately fell to the ground and my knee popped and I was writhing in pain. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, Ella, this isn't your fault. I must've said it like five or six times in my shock because I was more concerned about her feeling guilty that watching her mother fall to the ground, helping her. And she's kind of looking at me like, I know, because I hadn't really even touched her when it happened. And I was just sitting there. It was so painful, but then within about two minutes, the pain went away enough for me to stand up. And I started to walk a little bit and I was able to support my knee. And I thought I must've really strained it, but clearly I'm okay. I'm walking. And I got myself upstairs. I put some ice on it that night. And then the next day I woke up, it was, there wasn't any swelling. It felt a little weird. I wasn't planning on running that day or anything, but I called my wonderful orthopedist, Dr. Samuel Sanders, who um, I've had a prior surgery with him before and his office was kind enough to squeeze me in. And I went in that day Tuesday, I'm sorry, Monday. And I'm sorry, Tuesday, because it happened on a Monday night. And he felt my knee. He said it felt a little wonky and ordered an MRI for me. And I was worried that week, but I was improving. I didn't have any swelling. I was able to walk. Each day felt better. And I really, by the end of the week, thought I strained it. But nonetheless, I went and had the MRI. And uh, on Friday morning of that same week, I found myself in Dr. Sanders' office and he walked in and he said, he sat down and he said, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but you tore your ACL 90%. He said, this is not your fault. <laughs> he said, this is how these happen. It's often an awkward movement. It's a sudden movement. It's a traumatic injury. It has nothing to do with your running. You didn't do anything wrong because he knows me. And that's like where my mind goes is what did I do wrong? And um, it was just a freak thing. And so suddenly I'm finding myself in a position where 
rather than thinking about training for Boston and getting my running stronger, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, because of other things, I found myself uh, scheduling a surgery and um, I did not get a second opinion because the MRI was very clear that I have a 90% tear. And while certainly I can work on it and get lots of physical therapy, I will never be able to do the level of running that I've done before unless I get the surgery. So I'm having it done on Monday, December 12th, which is a week from tomorrow as we're recording. And um, it's probably a recovery of, uh, they say six to nine months. So that's my sad story. And um, I'm really shocked about it. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's yeah. let's break this down. Let's first of all, I, I want to you know talk about you know we don't talk about ourselves and our running much. We like to focus yeah. on our runners that we coach. We like to focus on our listeners and bringing in great speakers, you know, great guests to talk about different things. We don't talk about our running right. much, and we've talked about um, our running a little bit this year, and you know, particularly your running in in, in with respect to the challenges that you had following COVID and you've had a, a, a tough year. Um, so I, I thought it would be a good idea to have this conversation just because I've always admired you as somebody who really um, handles adversity really well. And I know it's, it's a, it's a crappy feeling and it's, um, you know, not an example you want to be, but every challenge that you've ever had for as long as I've known you, um, I'm always in awe of how you turn it around to become stronger and to help other people become stronger. So I thought it would be a good idea to kind of talk this through and and be honest and open with people um, because there are a lot of people who go through maybe not an ACL tear, um, but go through challenges where there are setbacks and they seem um, really discouraging. And, um, uh, you know, there's no hiding it. You, you've you, you wallowed and you felt really crappy and sad. It's not like you're just pushing through. So I want to back up um, to when, you know, this first happened and when I know you said you thought like maybe it would be okay, but I remember you telling me something's wrong. Like, I don't, I think, I think I tore it. Like I, you, I think kind of knew deep down that you, you did. And, and then I remember, you know, you calling me to tell me that after you, you know, got the MRI results and, and talk to, us a little bit about, talk to our listeners a little bit about like those first initial feelings, because I can still feel it. I can still feel like our phone call and that feeling of, of, you know, you've had a tough year already. You were just starting to come back. You had a great race a few weeks ago, just a couple weeks before this happened. You had a really good race. You start, I remember your words. Exactly. I'm starting to feel like I'm coming back. Like I'm starting to feel some hope. And then this happened and it's like that I felt crushed and I know how you felt. And um, so talk to, talk to us a little bit about like those initial feelings of um, like, why is the, why is the universe against me at this point? And (laughs) what did I do and why, you know, you know, hit after hit, talk talk to us about how you felt at that moment. So I think initially, I mean, I knew something was wrong because I felt pop. So clearly my sense of urgency propelled me to get in touch with my orthopedist. And I found myself in his office the next day. Like I, I moved a few mountains to make that happen and to get the MRI and get a diagnosis within five days of it happening. So yes, I felt, as you mentioned, a sense of urgency, but as the week went on, I was feeling better. I felt a sliver of hope. And I was initially went from, I tore my, I tore something, whether it was my meniscus 
or my ACL to maybe it's just a strain because I'm really starting to feel better. So when Dr. Sanders gave me the diagnosis in his office, a part of me was completely shocked. And then another part of me wasn't. And then I know this is going to sound really weird, but then there, there was like a small part of me when I got into my car and I was processing the information and just by myself, there was a part of me where I felt almost the sense of relief because I have been working so hard at figuring out how to overcome the impact of having COVID twice this year in 2022 and how that's impacted my running. And I've been nervous about ramping up my training to train for Boston, even though I want it to, there's a part of me that's like, maybe this is the universe telling me to just shut everything down. I know this sounds crazy, but there is a protocol for an ACL tear. It's horrible. It's not like it's easy, but there are a lot of things for which there is no start and end and an ACL. while not a great injury. It's no longer a career ending injury like it used to be. And there is a very definitive protocol and I'm really good at following directions. What I'm not good at is troubleshooting when I can't figure out what's wrong with me. And that has really done a number on my uh, feelings about my own running this year and, and understanding my body and working so hard to recognize that there's something going on. And I believe it's attributable to having COVID in last January and then having it again in August. And I feel like that was taking a toll on my brain. I was thinking about it a lot. I was thinking about it with respect to our runners. We both talk about it a lot with each other because we have so many runners who've also felt an impact from having COVID. So having, I'm leaning into the fact that it's forcing me to shut down and get stronger after the surgery and work on improving that part of my body. And maybe just maybe by doing that, other things will come together as well. And I I know that sounds really bizarre, but that is giving me some hope. And it's like the timing could have been worse, but it certainly, the timing could have been a lot worse. And the fact that it happened eerily at the beginning of the cycle, the Boston training cycle, because I start to ramp up at the beginning of December for Boston. And the fact that this happened right around this time and the surgery is exactly four months from Boston, basically that's five months, five months, you know, four months. That's crazy. It's almost exactly four months for the day to Boston. So it's like, instead of my training cycle being training for Boston, my training cycle is going to be rehabbing from this surgery. And my goal is to be healthy enough to be able to run around and watch all of our runners, including you, Lisa, at Boston, and you know, be able to be mobile enough to <laughs> yes, that's my goal. I will be in Boston and I will be cheering everyone on and doing all the things, and I just won't be running. And um, yeah, so let's talk that about that a little question. bit because that's you know that's a big um, for us 
Boston is kind of the like, you know, the the high point of our year and what we train toward and we look forward to. And um, we had this in 2019 when you also were not able to run it. And, um, you know, I think it turned out to, you know, be a, a real positive that you came, you came and you cheered and you were, you know, you got to be there because Boston is not Boston without you, for me at least. So I think that I think helps a little bit maybe prepare you for, you know, for being a spectator at Boston this year, but talk a little bit about that process of realizing that Boston was off the table and then how you decide to still go to, you know, I, like I said, I know you've done it before, so you know the value in, in being there, but talk about the whole Boston, uh, you know, realizing you weren't going to be running at Boston and how you, how you thought through that. Uh, I feel like this injury is, it, it wasn't even a debate. It's so serious that it, it kind of, the decision was made for me. I didn't, it's not an injury where it's even possible for me to start training for Boston in a few months and, you know, run it as a fun run. I don't have that choice. So uh, it's, this injury is so much bigger than Boston because really for me, it's about being able to run the way I want to run again. And that is the overarching theme for me. And so while certainly I'm disappointed that I can't run Boston. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, hold on to, I am more, I want to run many Bostons in my future and I can't unless I address this fully. And I, I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, maybe there are people out there that would have, and I can talk about this in a second. I feel fine now. That's the crazy part. And I can talk about that, but I'm sure there are runners out there that have run Boston with no ACL. I have no doubt because you can ACL. It really, it controls your lateral movement. And if you want to live your life in a straight plane, <laughs> like <laughs> forward and just move forward and never side to side for the rest of your athletic days, then yeah, you don't, you don't need to have this surgery. But for me, it's a no brainer. Of course, I'm having it. Of course, I'm going to rehab the shit out of this. And I'm going to be strong and get better. And then once I feel better, I'll think about Boston. I can't say I'm going to rehab in six to nine months. And my goal is to run a fall qualifier because, of course, I, I will lose my qualifier by not running Boston this year. And I'm going to get better so I can do that. I can't, I can't do that to myself. I have to really meaningfully, I have to treat this like a, a goal race that doesn't have a date yet. And that's where I am with this. And so going up to Boston, it's a no brainer as well, because at this point, I feel like while my running is important to me, my run my identity as a runner is not wrapped up in just my running my identity as a runner is wrapped up in our coaching and our community and all the things we've built and of course i'm going to be there i want to it wouldn't even occur to me not to go and be a part of it as a spectator and as a participant in our own events um corresponding to the marathon so I think my experience in 2019 makes that decision very easy. And also um, COVID has been a really great tool and helping all of us cope with disappointment. Um, things that I used to count on as markers in my life that occurred year after year, while I still love to count on those, I also recognize that sometimes 
those markers don't happen. And my life, you know, I hope is long. My running life, I hope is long. And as a result, this blip on my continuum of running will hopefully be a distant memory in a few years. But in the meantime, I don't want to spend it moping by myself and, you know, watching everyone run Boston from afar. I think for me and my mental health, it's important to engage and and still be a part of the community, even if I'm not running in the race on Marathon Monday. This is why I admire you. And this is why I wanted to talk about this, because um, I think that is a really hard mindset to to get into for a lot of people, because we kind of tend to have tunnel vision and get really focused on what's bad and what's negative and woe is me, where when you step back and like you said, you look at the bigger picture of like the community, your, 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 your running longevity, all of that, like that's, I think, such an important um, perspective to have and it's hard to have it. Um, so I, I really admire you um, for having that. And something else I just wanted to touch on is I, I really think it's important to to talk about not setting a goal or not, not setting, setting, putting a timeline on yourself. Um, I think, you know, last time in 2019, you um, were able to, it was a different type of injury, different type of surgery and recovery. Um, and, you know, you had, a. I remember the struggles you had in t- deciding if you should go try to do a last minute, last chance um, September BQ race. And I remember kind of the struggle that you had. And I think a lot of people, when they set um, a timeline in their head and then things don't go as planned, that's like another, another disappointment and another kind of, uh, you know, it can be, it's, it's, it's kind of crushing again, you know, it's experiencing the trauma again. So to give yourself that grace of saying like, you know what, I'm going to see how things go. There is no deadline. There are many more Boston's or many more, lots of things out there. Um, I think that's an, uh, something else, um, that's important. So talk a little bit about feeling fine now, because you said you feel fine. Do you feel like you could run now? Do you feel, are you able to cycle? Like what can you do now? And how do you feel right now? So ACL injuries are really interesting because if it's not an injury, like there's some ACL injuries that require surgery right away because the, the individual isn't mobile and it's, it's very dramatic and traumatic. My ACL injury, while traumatic, um, I did not have any um, external swelling while there definitely was internal swelling. And Dr. Sanders said that my MRI had exhibited a lot of bruising. Oh, and PS, when I tore my ACL, it's it like a boomerang then touched my lateral meniscus and, and that tore too. So as part of the surgery, I'm having bonus a repair. It's so interesting because within, by the time I was sitting in his office for the diagnosis, not only did I feel fine, I had almost full mo- range of mobility. And now, um, almost two weeks later from the, from the incident, I have full mobility. I can bend and straighten. I can do all the things. If I wanted to, I could run. I am not because honestly, I I can't afford to trip or do anything that would cause me to be more vulnerable. So I'm not, but I'm cycling. I'm strength training as I've been doing, of course, with modifications, I'm not doing, you know, massive squatting and deadlifts right now, but I've been strength training really heavily for the past year. And as a result, my quad strength and my glute strength, and I'm, I'm strong and my core strength is really strong, which is such a good thing. So I went in for a prehab appointment, which everyone should do before a surgery is prehab, regardless of the type of surgery, 
because it's a great way to understand your strengths and weaknesses before the surgery. So you know, sort of what existed before is what the actual surgery caused. And I went and saw Rachel Miller. She's going to be doing my rehab um, at ProAction. I'm so grateful for her and Josh. And um, she did all the tests and she's like, you're super strong. You're, you're going to be great for the surgery. And she's very confident that my rehabilitation will be really good and really will be full. And she's not concerned, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's really strange to go into a surgery feeling fine, but most ACL surgeries occur at least four to six weeks after the injury, because you want all of the swelling and trauma to go down before, um, the surgery, which is reconstructive. And apparently if you have the surgery done while you still have a lot of swelling and not a range of motion, then the rehab can be that much harder. So, um, I am really pleased that I'm doing so well, but it's also making the idea of going in and, and having this done is just so unappealing because I don't feel like it's not going to be a sense of relief. Like, Oh, I've been feeling so awful and I'll feel better after this. It's like, I feel fine. And you're going to feel worse. Yes. Yes. And the other part of this, that is really hard for me. And this is short-term worry, not long-term is I'm going to at least initially, I'm of course going to have to be on crutches and I'm, it's my driving leg and I'm not going to be able to drive and, um, I'm going to pee twice a week. So, you know, I have to rely on, on my family and I'm so grateful. I have a family to rely on. I can't imagine having the surgery if I were living by myself, like, you know, there's plenty of people that are in that predicament and those folks have it so much harder. So I'm very grateful to have the help, but I hate that I have to rely on people. And so I scheduled this for the week of December 12th, because Noah, my oldest will be coming home from college for a winter break that week. And we will therefore have two drivers in our house um, with him home as well. And that will be super helpful to with driving me and also with driving Ella. Um, So yeah, to answer your question, I feel totally fine which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And hard to, like you said, put yourself through a surgery that, you know, the recovery is going to be tough and we'll, we'll do follow-ups and we'll talk more about your recovery after the surgery, but your understanding of immediately after the surgery and your rehab, what is that right now? So first of all, I was given a choice of what kind of ligament I wanted because with an ACL surgery, when, um, the patient is younger, like in their teens and twenties, often they do either a patellar surgery, patella surgery, um, where they graft from patella or they do a graft from the hamstring. Um, but as we get older, it's harder to do that. And I'm, I'm not in a category where I would qualify to do a patella graft. And I had a choice to do either, um, a hamstring graft from my own hamstring, take it in, they take a tendon and they essentially braid it and create a new ligament. Um, and that is what a lot of folks do. And it's very common and it's, it, it is very successful. And then the other option is a cadaver. And I opted for the cadaver because I, as a runner, I use my hamstrings a lot. We all do. And there is 
there are a lot of runners out there, especially distance runners who, when they have the hamstring graft at an older age, have a harder time, not with the ACL recovery, but with the hamstring recovery. So I opted to do a cadaver and, um, my doctor thought that was the best choice as well. He left it up to me, but when I went through it with him. He, he really thought for me and my specific injury and the way it's presenting, he felt that that was the best for me as well. So, um, that is what's going to happen. And then the recovery is tough at first. Um, I believe there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, there's going to be trauma and they're reconstructing my knee. And so I'm hopeful it, I'll be on the better end of the continuum. And to be honest, I am burying my head in the sand a little bit because it's all temporary. I kind of don't need to know the level of pain, discomfort, how poorly I'm going to sleep the first few days. Like I just want to get it done. And I'm, I'm, I will be taking some painkillers. There's no reason to, I'm not a martyr. I know I won't need them for days and days. And for a couple of days, if that's going to help me sleep better and sleeping better helps with healing, then that's anti-taking those because I have, it is my understanding that it's difficult to sleep the first few days. And we all always talk about this. Uh, the best way to regenerate um, is sleep. And so I need sleep. The other thing about recovery, I feel very important as quickly as possible to get your range of motion back and get that quad activation. It takes time, but the first few days I'm going to try very hard, even if it's painful to work on straightening my knee. Um, bending it, not to hurt it, but bending it a little bit, straightening it and trying to activate that quad muscle. It's apparently the first phase in the steps of recovery. And it's really important to start working on that right away. So I am determined to do that. And my first PT appointment is the, the Friday after my Monday surgery. So I already have that in the books and I'm committed to just getting in there and getting started. And what else are you going to do to help? You know, you talked about sleep, you talked about mobility. What else do you have planned? Because I know you're a planner and you're like, you always get a PR in recovery and you've got to plan together and you execute. What else is part of your plan for that recovery? So, you know, Lisa, we're really lucky that we surround ourselves with a lot of caring experts. And when things like this happen, I this community of experts that we have and say, hey, um, how can you help me? So in addition to problems, mainly Amy gave me some advice about, you know, making sure to eat a lot of protein and just really taking care of myself. And Kelsey offered to do a consultation with me. And so she's doing an actual formal consultation with me on Thursday, where she's going to provide me with just a list of of foods, um, of course, protein source sources I need to eat. Probably, I would guess about one and a half times uh, my body weight right now in protein, just to help with that rebuilding process. And um, any any nutrients, any any supplements, anything like that. She's going to give me a list and provide me with information. Just for me personally, I am someone who especially in the winter months, I, I take a lot of vitamin C and zinc and that can only help with regeneration. And so that's something I already do. And hydration is really important and I'm not a big drinker at all. And I, I it's not something that I have to abstain from, but if I were someone that 
drank more wine, I would definitely right now not be drinking alcohol. Um, and then I think by Friday before my surgery, I'm going to cut out caffeine too. I have no idea if all of these little things will specifically help me, but certainly they can't hurt. It gives me a sense of control to um, be able to do something positive before I head in and feel like I've armed myself and put myself in the best position possible to be strong before I have this surgery. Yeah. Anybody I know you've got the best, you you definitely have a a plan in place. You've got the, you know, you always take advantage of the resources that we have that we, like you said, we're fortunate enough to have. And, um, you know, if anybody can do it, you can. So I know you've got this great positive attitude and you're, um, you're really, um, you've got your plan, um, and you're, you know, looking beyond like the immediate surgery and you're not trying to dwell on like, you know, what it's going to be like, but, but what scares you about, about the next, you know, I don't know, say the next month, what scares you the most? Um, I think what scares me the most is not progressing how I'm supposed to, and then feeling defeated because, you know, we talk about this all the time. Progress isn't linear. And certainly with a surgery like this, I, I can't control how my body's going to respond. I can read body specifically is going to respond to the surgery. So I'm number one, I'm scared that I'm going to have to step back and not progress in a way that I want to progress. Number two, I'm scared about just feeling immobile and how that's going to impact my mental health because movement is so important to all of us. I mean, anyone listening to this podcast, like we all crave and enjoy movement and not being able to do, to run is devastating. And I've come to terms with that, but not even being able to do a workout and cycle and do all the things I love to do, take my dog for walks and just not having that in my immediate, you know, toolbox for the next month after surgery is really going to be tough, especially in these dark winter days. So I'm really going to have to lean into recognizing when I start to feel I have to really think about my why and why it is so important for me to not get agitated and upset. First of all, there's nothing I can do. And secondly, there's no reason to not expect this to be temporary is a double negative, but (laughs) it's temporary. And I have plenty of friends and family members, but especially this year, I mean, you know, you and I, as we get older, we just hear more shit and I I am not at all ungrateful and I understand that this is, you know, in the, in a series of unfortunate events, this is relatively minor compared to so many other unfortunate events. And the end of the day, how fortunate am I that this event is, has a timeline and it's a very common injury and I will be okay. And I, if I was sitting here with something else that was much more serious, that would not be the case. And I wouldn't be upset about not being, I really try to keep perspective, but that scares me is that feeling. And then the other thing that scares me is looking ahead and I'm going to try really hard not to go down this rabbit hole, but you know, I, I, I'm a competitive runner. I love racing. I love getting out there and, and, and running fast and doing all the things I love running Boston. And what if I never get back to where I was and, you know, it's been a a really tough year already. And I've been tested so much with my, I have had to stop and start 
because I had just, my body has not reacted well to COVID and I got through a lot of things, even in 2022, I, I ran Boston in April. I'm so proud of that because I didn't go into it feeling my best. And I, I got through it and I requalified and I, you know, unfortunately got it again in August. And then I came out of that and had a really strong race a few weeks ago. And I feel like if I can kind of lean into what I accomplished in my recovery in 2022 from two events out of my control, where I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a plan because nobody knows what to do in terms of this whole thing with athletes. Everyone's trying, but every athlete responds differently. With this situation, at least I know what to do. And at least there's a plan and the plan works. So I'm really going to try and lean into that. And when I go down that rabbit hole, I'm going to just focus on this has worked for so many athletes. It's going to work for me. Yeah. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I I look, first of all, um, I look at you and I see someone who is an accomplished athlete, period. (laughs) Like you, you, you are an accomplished athlete. You're, you know, the, the fact that you had an injury, um, you know, I think that fear is probably common to any, any athlete or anyone who's used to achieving and, and has high expectations of themselves. So, um, you know, I think that that fear is, is common, but, um, I think you are an accomplished athlete. You've done so much already. And I think that, um, that, that I I'm confident that you're going to come back and be strong. Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, you know, kind of just resting, resting resting assured that you have already accomplished so much. You are a natural athlete. You have that still once your body is recovered and healed, you will get back to it. Um, and I, I think, I think there are a lot of other accomplishments that you should be proud of as well. And one of them is this is, is really being strong in the face of adversity and keeping up this positive attitude, which I know is not easy to do, and, um, but you do. And, and I think you set such a good example. And I've always told you that I think that our runners that we coach, our podcast listeners, our friends, our network, our community always look to you as somebody, um, as an example. Um, so I know that it sucks to go through this, but I think it's, it, it, it helps you grow as a person. It helps us grow. Um, it helps set such an important example. So, you know, I, I'm, I thank you for sharing with all of us what you're going through and how honest you are and um, candid you are. And I hope that you'll continue to share because I think that you will be, um, you know, an example and, 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 uh, you know, a resource for people, um, for runners, for athletes, whoever it might be that are going through, through challenges, but particularly runners that are going through challenges in the future. I think that you become an important resource. And I would encourage you to reach out to people who've gone through it too, and that have, you know, come out on the other side and use them as, as resource and, and as a kind of a network. Um, but I think you're going to be that, that resource and that, um, source of strength for people in the future. So, um, so thank you for talking about it honestly, and for, um, always just, uh, being such a good human being, I'm truly like, this would be such an easy thing to just wallow in and get really negative and, um, and, and turn inward. And instead you turn outward and you, um, you're, you're open about it. You're honest about it. And so, so I thank you for that. And I, you know, like I said, I, I always admire everything you do. I always say, you know, WWJD, what would Julie do? And particularly in situations like this, <laughs> I think that is an important question for us to ask. So thank you for telling us what would Julie do? <laughs> well, thank you, Lisa, for giving me the chance to talk about this. It's honestly the first time I've really 
articulated my feelings and it was very therapeutic. So I appreciate you um, encouraging me to do this because I wasn't really up for it. And it's actually been really helpful to allow me the space and time to articulate my thoughts and things together. And I, I really support because I know I'm going to be leaning on you so much over the next several months. And I appreciate I'm coming it. over to keep you company. I swear <laughs> I'm coming over to hang out with you. So I will have junk food for you because I have no doubt because my friends know me everyone's gonna be <laughs> delivering sweets which is so funny right on the heels of me like well I'm gonna eat so healthy but no um I just really appreciate you um being in my corner always and I also appreciate what you said about others because it's hard to be vulnerable but particularly as a coach it's hard to be injured because you immediately think like, what did I do wrong? How is this is my fault? And I know it's not, but it's just, you can't help but wonder, oh no, are my runners not going to feel comfortable having me as my, as their coach because I'm injured. And I just appreciate your, your words. And I know that sounds illogical, but it's just something as a coach, you know, we all feel this way. Um, and, I hope in having this experience, it will make me a better coach and um, more empathetic. And yeah, I'm happy to serve as a resource for others as usual. Absolutely. I always but, said like, um, you don't want to add this to your running your coaching resume, but it's actually yeah. something to add to your coaching resume. Are you injured? I understand, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of value in that because I think when you're injured, um, you really need somebody who really can empathize and really can understand what you're going through and you, you can, and it's also helpful when you have somebody who comes out the other side and they made it through and you know that there's hope. Um, so I am confident that's going to be you. And I hope that we can follow you through the surgery and recovery and then your comeback. Cause as we always like to say, the comeback is always better than and sweeter than the setback. So I know that is going sure. to be the case with you. So I can't wait for whatever episode it is of this series that we're going to do and following you, but it's going to be the comeback and that's going to be, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I, I know it's coming. So um, I hope, you know, it's coming and you just have to go through all the crap to get through that. But that's, I think that's true about any growing experience. Any of us have, you've got to go through through the crap to come out the other side. But when you come out the other side, you're a stronger person, you're a better person um, for it. So I, I know you of all people that that is true. So um, whatever happens with your running or your times, your finish times, you're, you're, you're going to come out on the other side, a stronger person. I know that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks for joining us on the Run Farther and Faster podcast, Julie. <laughs> Have a great week, it was Julie. A lot of fun. <laughs> enjoy your enjoy. Thanks, we, you've got you. one week. You've got one week to live it up. So live it up, Woo. and we will we will talk to you on the other side. Love right. you. Love Bye. you. Too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others. And please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.